Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters and I'm Emma Crunch. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Fitzroy, Melbourne, on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And today we return to what has been touted one of the most significant social and environmental struggles of our era, the fight against the proposed Adani coal mine on Wangan and Jagalingu people's land in the Galilee Basin in central Queensland. There are many angles and interests in the fight against this megamine, which together make a force to be reckoned with. Shortly, I will bring you my conversation with lawyer from Environmental Justice Australia, Ariane Wilkinson, who discusses the EGA's research into Adani's international corporate behaviour and examines the environmental laws framing the government's decision on mine approval. Later on, we will hear some excerpts from the Stop Adani Roadshow gathering in Melbourne, particularly the part which outlines what people can do to get involved in the campaign. First, though, I'm going to play you a clip from my late 2016 interview with young Wangan and Jagalingu spokesperson Marawa Johnson. She paints a picture of her land, which is threatened by the mine, and its significance to her people. So the country is, uh, I don't know how to, how to say it, it's, it's, it's a bit dry but, and it's very hot, but also paradise. Yep. So the way that the country works, especially with our natural springs that feed up from the Great Artesian Basin is it could look very dry and in some places bare, but you'll come across these amazing, beautiful lagoons and um, swamps and sort of like oases mm. um, where the springs, which is sacred water, um, feed up and provide life to that country. Uh, so this is the largest new proposed coal mine in the world mm. uh, and would be the largest in the history of the Southern Hemisphere. So the largest coal mine by, you know, in Australia, by Australia, Australian standards, but also in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. And 40 kilometres by 13 kilometres, there is absolutely nobody that can tell me that the natural springs just 10 kilometres away from the proposed mine site won't be poisoned and affected. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're going to clear clear the land um, and one of the totems out there, one of the distinct um, sort of, uh, I guess, the way that our society works. Mm. Is, uh, we have totems and we have groups of people within our society who are, you know, that is their totem and it's their responsibility to take care of that. Um, so the trees out there are one of those totems. Mm. Um, and so that means the complete annihilation of a whole totem and also the destruction of a group within our people, um, of their actual you know, totemic relationship mm. with the country and all of the beautiful native life that is out there. That was Wangan and Jagalingu spokesperson Marawa Johnson speaking about her country and how it would be affected by the Carmichael mine. If you want to hear the extended version of our interview from the 2016 Earth Matters show, 
You can find it online at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters under our previous shows. And to find out more and support the Wangan and Jagalingu people's fight for their country, have a look at their excellent website, which is wanganjagalingou.com.au. And now let's hear my recent conversation with Ariane Wilkinson from Environmental Justice Australia to get a legal perspective on Adani's mine proposal. Um, so good morning, Ariane. Thanks very much for joining us on Earth Matters. And could you just start out by introducing yourself and your role at Environmental Justice Australia? Sure, Emma. Thanks for having me. My name's Ariane Wilkinson. I'm a lawyer at the not-for-profit legal practice Environmental Justice Australia. Great. And so there has been a lot of talk in the environment movement and about the Adani Group company at the moment and most notably because it is trying to push ahead with the biggest coal mine in Australia, the Galilee Basin in Queensland. And you've recently co-authored a report called Can the Adani Group be trusted to comply with environmental laws, the Adani Group's global environmental record. Um, so I'm interested in what was the answer you came up with in that report and also how did you decide what to research, um, how to frame that investigation? Yeah, sure. So that, that report you've referred to is actually one of our earlier reports that um, came out uh, I think in 2015 and okay. uncovered, uncovered some really concerning information about one of um, a, a river poisoning disaster um, that occurred when one of the current Adani executives was in charge of that company where mm. there was a poisoned river. The report we've put out very recently is called the Adani Brief, what governments and financiers need to know about the Adani Group's record overseas. Okay. Uh, so this report is the third report we've written. Mm. We've been uh, looking into legal offences by uh, Adani Group companies in foreign jurisdictions for a number of years because they've been brought to our attention by various uh, concerned people and um, we also have some clients in India who are concerned about the Adani Group. Mm. And we've been looking at these court cases and actually... Um, writing up the evidence and explaining it to uh, government officials and asking okay. that the Adani Group receive scrutiny. Mm. So it's really bringing the track record of the Adani Group um, internationally and globally to, in an easily accessible way to politicians here and also by financiers, do you mean the, the banks that are looking at funding yeah, anybody who might um, mm -hmm. bring financial uh, support to the particular projects that the Adani Group is seeking to pursue in Australia. Mm. So uh, the conclusion that we came to after publication of the Adani Brief, our most recent report, is that the Adani Group has a terrible track record in foreign jurisdictions and that this should absolutely be of concern to both government regulators and financiers um, the, the second point that we've made on numerous occasions is they've skipped out on having proper scrutiny of that record. Mm. Our environmental laws at both a federal level and a Queensland level um, contain some serious inadequacies where governments might say, well, look, you know, 
they've been subject to all this scrutiny under the environmental approval process, but there's these massive gaps that mean the Adani group aren't properly scrutinised for their offences in foreign jurisdictions. Mm, so in terms of... I was going to ask about this, whether is it a gap in the laws as they stand or are under current laws the federal and state ministers required to look into a company's previous record internationally or and they're not doing that properly or is it a bit of a omission in the laws that that's not um, taken into consideration? Yeah, that's a very good question. So under the federal... Uh, environmental law, so the Federal Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act, Mm -hmm. the Minister may consider a company's environmental history. Uh, So yes, there's an option for consideration there. The Federal Minister did look at some of the foreign environmental offences by the Adani Group before giving the most recent approval under the EPBC Act, the Federal Act, Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't look at all of them. Mm. One of them, the river poisoning in Zambia, he didn't look at because the Adani group uh, didn't declare that offence to him. Uh, It only came to light when we um, found the court case and wrote to the minister about it. Mm. So there's absolutely been inadequate scrutiny and our recent report shows some really concerning recent um, massive fines against the Adani Group in India for the sinking of a coal ship, for building a port without environmental approval. Now, when it comes to these new offences, there's a gap in the law where the minister doesn't really have a power to reconsider the approval based on this new information, and Mm. in our view, they should. That piece of law needs to be changed. Mm. Now, at a state level, Queensland government has been able to completely ignore these foreign environmental offences because the state environmental approval doesn't take into account, uh, you know, breaches of the law and harm to the environment that occur overseas. Now, that's a massive gap, seriously concerning, something that's very wrong with Queensland law, especially given the kind of risky projects that get approval there. Mm. And that's something that should be fixed and we've been saying should be fixed for quite a long time. You're listening to Earth Matters and a conversation with Ariane Wilkinson from environmental legal firm Environment Justice Australia. Let's get back to the discussion about Adani's accountability to Australian decision makers and peoples. Adani are, of course, the company who is proposing the mega Carmichael coal mine in the Galilee Basin on the country of the Wangan and Jagalingo traditional owners. I am just interested, could you just outline um, the Zambia River case or what, what your findings were there? And when that happened? Certainly. So the issue in Zambia was to do with a different company, not an Adani Mm -hmm. company, called KCM. Uh, KCM was criminally charged in 2010 for polluting the Kafui River uh, from a copper copper mine. This um, pollution and other instances of pollution led to 1,800 Zambians becoming extremely unwell and sick, crops dying, Mm Um, farmers' land being unusable, and they've since filed a class action against that company. 
Now, under Australian law, uh, the environmental history or track record of any directors of a mining company is relevant when you look at whether you're going to give that mining company approvals. Now, one of the Adani Group's uh, directors, uh, Mr Janakaraj, was actually the director of operations at the KCM company at the time that river poisoning occurred. Mm. So the fact that he was a director there at that time and is now a director of the Adani Group company in Australia means that that river poisoning event is something that should go on the Adani Group's uh, environmental history or track record and should be considered by the federal government uh, mm. when they decide whether or not to give them approval to, to, to uh, you know, develop an incredibly risky mine. Mm. That event, that river poisoning event, wasn't declared by the Adani Group when the minister wrote to them and specifically said, um, you need to tell us about any environmental offences uh, relevant to both your company or anything that's occurred at the time that any of your executive officers have been in charge of other companies. So mm -hmm. that information was asked for by the Adani Group before they got their approval and they didn't give them this piece of information about the Zambia River poisoning. Mm, and despite that having since been revealed that they weren't up front with that information, the um, the federal government maintains its approval. Yes, well, the, the approval had already been granted. Okay. But obviously because um, it is an offence under the Act uh, to pr provide any um, misleading or false information mm. to the department, in response to our um, r report, and uh, it was covered on the 7.30 report, there were mm -hmm. some really um, heartbreaking images of the Zambian farmers and the harm that they had suffered from the river poisoning. Uh, the Federal Environment Department wrote to the Adani Group and asked them to explain themselves mm. and explain why they had failed to declare this information. We don't have... Uh, the documents where they provided an explanation uh, mm -hmm. because uh, we've been unable to obtain them under freedom of information applications as yet. Uh, the department did, the Federal Environment Department did issue a statement saying they'd come to a view that it was likely a mistake. So that's where that ended up. Mm. Uh, no matter the issue, I think it's fair for Australians to expect that our um, that our federal minister and our federal department are furnished with all the information about risks mm. before they grant an approval to do one of the well the riskiest project in Australia. So it's going to mm. you know risk risk water, um, obviously risk important habitat, um, have terrible impacts on cultural heritage in that area, mm. and risk um, uh, the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, and I was linked to the. Um, the cultural heritage and the importance of the area for traditional owners of that country. Um, I was interested in whether your various reports have investigated how Adani Group or associated companies have consulted um, Indigenous peoples in their projects around the world. Because I have previously spoken to a young Wangan and Jagalingu. Uh, spokesperson who 
outlined the really flawed process of consultation that's happened around this mine. Um, and, mm. yeah, interested if you've researched that. Mm. So our um, our reports report on court findings against Adani and mm -hmm. damning findings against them for um, environmental harm and destruction in India. While these court uh, cases don't outline concerns about the consultation process with um, uh, with traditional owners in India, it does outline some very serious findings about how those groups have been impacted. Uh, fishing communities, um, communities of farmers, etc., who've had their lives and their livelihoods uh, completely destroyed mm. from some issues respect to compliance with environmental laws. So um, fishermen that have been unable to reach the sea and get to their traditional fishing grounds, uh, you know, the kind of things that would be of extreme concern for local communities in Australia. You're listening to Earth Matters and a conversation with lawyer Ariane Wilkinson. She has authored a report recently called The Adani Brief. Let's get back to our chat and find out what can be done next by those concerned to get the message out there. Do you think that uh, the reports and the work you do at Environment Justice Australia um, can contribute to the broader campaign or how do you see... Um, your role within that um, as it's aiming towards, you know, probably a decision in the next few months and such a key crucial issue? Mm, sure. Our, our role as, as lawyers acting in the public interest is to um, provide um, evidence and mm -hmm. factual information and apply it to the law, uh, point out where we think the law isn't being properly applied point out where we think there's gaps in the law. So we certainly think this is an important contribution. Um, the main point is the law and the facts and the evidence need to trump the politics. Mm. So when politicians say to the Australian people, don't worry about this project, it's got 200 of the most stringent conditions, everything's fine, that doesn't actually align with what we know about the law and what we know about the facts. So there's gaps in the law. The mm. law's not um, compelling state and federal governments to properly scrutinise this corporate entity and the facts show that they really need to be scrutinised because they've got a, a shocking track record in foreign jurisdictions. Mm. So we bring this to the attention of both the politicians, decision makers, but also the Australian people because it's in the public and they actually know about this. Mm. Well, that is important work and I'm sure listeners uh, may be interested to check out the findings that you've made. Um, where could they access these reports that you've done on yeah, the sure. Adani Group? So everything's on our website. If, if your listeners are particularly interested in our report on Adani, which mm -hmm. our most recent one is called The Adani Brief, they can go to our website, uh, Enviro Justice. 
www.thepeopleshow.com.au and just use the little search bar down the bottom to just search for The Adani Brief or just Google it, Environmental Justice Australia and The Adani Brief. And for those who are interested, we've actually put up all the source documents, all the court cases. So uh, we see this as um, providing transparency about the facts where unfortunately in this case it seems that both the the corporate entities themselves and the government are not providing the transparency to the Australian people about the true factual scenario here. So, and finally, uh, listeners have this information and it's great to hear about um, the real story. And what can people do to take action and to get that truth out there? Well, to hold this corporation accountable and to hold our politicians accountable... We need politicians to have this information in front of them from their constituents. So the Australian Conservation Foundation have actually set up a web page where you can send our legal research briefing to your local MP representatives. Uh, you just go online, www.acf.org.au forward slash MP underscore Adani underscore brief mm-hmm. and you can send your MP our piece of legal research and um, put a message in there about uh, your concern about the Adani group's track record and their plans in Australia. Mm. Okay, that's great. That's a really good practical thing for people to take away. That was Ariane Wilkinson from Environment Justice Australia finishing up with how listeners can use her research to influence decision makers. And on the topic of what to do, recently there has been a Stopadani roadshow touring through cities and towns around the country. I'm going to share with you now a short clip from the Melbourne Forum. You will hear Isaac Astill, a 350.org campaigner, describe the recently launched website stopadani.com, which is a great place to start if you're looking to take action against the mega coal mine and for a sustainable future. So, uh, the Stop Adani Alliance has put together the Stop Adani website, which is at stopadani.com, probably noticing the pattern here, um, and, uh, on, and that website's being used for people to talk in a number of different ways. So, the first way I want to touch on tonight is resources, right? Community resources are already up on the website. There is a treasure trove of community resources that's growing all the time. Flyers, stickers, posters, banners, pull-up banners, T-shirts, guides, designs, I could go on. Um, And they're all up on the website, right? So these resources are now your resources. You can use them however you like. You don't have to ask anyone for permission, right? And I want you to be just as excited as I am, which as you've probably noticed... It's pretty excited about all the different things you can do with those resources, right? The things you can do, you and your friend can do, you and your friend and your group can do, whatever. So that's the first way that the website's being used as a bit of a tool. 
The second way is community groups. So when the Stop It Army Alliance launched, which was only a couple of weeks ago, really, um, within that short space of time, 60 groups put their hand up and said, we want to be a part of this campaign, we want to stop Adani, right? And those 60 groups have been meticulously mapped out on the Stop Adani website on a map that looks a little bit like the one in the background here, or more specifically, that one right there. All right, so then, and the final way that the website's being used as a pivotal tool as part of this movement is to launch new groups. And this is vitally important, because as Blair alluded to before, the window of opportunity for stopping this mine is closing, and it's closing very quickly. Um, Adani's board were going to make their final investment decision in April, uh, which is next month. That got pushed back to June because of the pressure that's already been applied which is nice, but June's only eight weeks away, right? And, and in fact, Adani says that they want to start digging this thing in August, all right? So the window of opportunity for us pushing that back, keeping that window open before we stop this thing is closing really quickly, which is why it's important that we don't just join groups, we also start new ones. So the, the final way that I want to touch on how the website can be used is by hitting that big button on the website, um, you can launch a new group. So if you're all from out of town tonight, you're not from Melbourne, welcome. Uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to start a new group in your local community. There's huge opportunities for us to grow bigger, for groups to start popping up everywhere, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, in our communities. Isaac Astle from 350.org describing the website stopadani.com. He was speaking at the Melbourne Stop Adani Roadshow Forum, which was designed to engage and connect people with the campaign to stop the Adani coal mine in the Galilee Basin. At the beginning of today's show, we heard a clip from Marua Johnson, Wangan and Jagalingu traditional owner. And you can learn more about their fight for country online at wanganjagalingu.com.au. And finally, thanks to Ariane from Environment Justice Australia for her interview about her recent report, The Adani Brief. And you can also find that at EGA's website, which is envirojustice.org.au. This has been Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Community Radio on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, otherwise known as Fitzroy in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We give our thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association for their ongoing support. I'm Emma Crunch, and you can stream or podcast our show on 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters, or email us at earthmatters 3 the number cr at gmail.com. Sounds on today's show were sourced from the Free Sound Archive. Tune in again next time for more social and environmental justice news on Earth Matters.
Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. Do you want to dig down into the dirt and find out what's going on in the activist community? Are you concerned about environmental and social justice? Friends of the Earth has a new radio show, Dirt Radio, Mondays, 10.30 on 3CR. Join us to dig the dirt. There's quite a lot of coal here and potentially people talk about markets for it. So Martin Ferguson, who's the Federal Energy Minister, is very supportive of it as well. He's famously said that we can make Victoria the next Pilbara. Friends of the Earth says it won't support a 19th century energy industry in the 21st century. Quit Coal, a vital campaign, part of Friends of the Earth Melbourne. 